0: Hello, and thank you for calling Movie Phone. Just kidding. Vicky V here. This is my first podcast of It's Gonna Be Okay. Um been told for, for quite some time that I need to tell my story, and I've been wanting to tell my story. Um, I've been diagnosed with severe depression, mild anxiety, and I believe borderline personality disorder is what they called it. Which I don't really believe I fit the profile of, but um you know did some research and i'm like i don't do that well, i don't do that no that's definitely not me so if he has any experience with with that diagnosis i'd i'd love to hear it but um um being diagnosed with depression i don't really think anybody wants to hear my story Nobody cares. I don't even exist. This won't get any hearings. It won't get any views or not views, but it won't won't get any listeners. All that stuff. But my girlfriend Oh, I'm a lesbian too, before I start anything. So if you got a problem with that or don't want to hear about it, you can take a long walk off a short cliff. Just kidding. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. Um So but she told me that to tell my story, that people will listen and people want to know and people need to hear that there's other people out there like them, experiencing the things they're going through and Knowing, having somebody that's living proof tell them it's going to be okay. So a little bit about myself. I'm Vicki B. I'm 37 years old. Uh, my girlfriend and I have been together four years. about I, Going on four years, maybe in the middle of the fourth year. <laughs> Don't tell her, but I'm not really sure. Um, she does have two kids, an almost nine-year-old and a just-turned-five-year-old boy. Uh, the nine-year-old's a girl. And, uh, I consider them my, my bonus children. my, My stepkids, even though my girlfriend and I aren't married yet. Um, we also have three dogs, three cats, and a bearded dragon lizard who is currently sunning himself on the, uh, windowsill. So we have a zoo. Um and for someone who struggles with depression it's it's a struggle every day to feel appreciated to feel loved to feel wanted to feel like i'm doing everything i need to that day you know and 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 everything but it's also rewarding because i don't i love i i'm a cancer my zodiac sign is a cancer i love being home i love the peace and quiet But at the same time, you know, when the kids are running around screaming and hollering and playing, you know, it drives me nuts. It really does. But I have been in the situation here at the house where they've been gone and it's just been me here for a couple hours. I go crazy just being in the silence. But I digress. That's another another story for another podcast. But um, I am a suicide survivor. I've been struggling with depression and suicidal thoughts since I can remember, um, you know, and, and still to this day, um, uh, the, the first time, first thing I can remember wanting to kill myself was in the seventh or eighth grade, I believe, um, I, because I was riding the bus home and I did that in middle, uh, junior high school. And I did that and uh, I got home from school, riding the bus, walked home. I don't remember what incident had transpired at school or if it was something somebody said or if it was the usual people make fun of me. But I had gotten home and I opened my mom's uh, kitchen, a drawer in the kitchen. And I pulled out one of the really sharp, biggest, biggest, sharpest knife I could find. And it was surprisingly heavier than I remember. You know, because I, I help mom in the kitchen. Uh I help her cook, you know, help her clean, whatever. And uh, it, it just felt so much heavier. And I I knew that I wanted to put it to my chest. And as I was doing that, I caught my reflection in the blade. And I remember... The only thing I could think of is that my mom would come home from work. It's like it was a normal day. She'd come home from work, tootling in her car, wondering what to cook for supper. You know, who was going to be home, who had practice, who had whatever, who had this, who had homework. She would come in, she would walk in the front door, look in the kitchen and find her daughter in a pool of her own blood in her kitchen floor. And I couldn't, I couldn't do that. I could not do that to her. Um, fast forward many years, I, uh, struggle with suicidal thoughts to the point where I know exactly how I would do it when I would do it most days and how to look like, how to make it look like an accident to where nobody knows that that's why I did it or that's what happened truly. Um, because, you know, struggling with depression, I don't really think anybody cares anyway. You know, nobody's going to miss me if I'm gone. Nobody's going to even care. Nobody's going to even notice. And um, it gets to the point where I finally decide. Jeez, five years ago, I was early 30s. Just now deciding in my early 30s that I need to do something about my depression. Because it's it's getting pretty bad. There's a, a lot of alcohol usage a lot of, a lot of drinking, uh, no drugs, proud to say, um, but it's gotten to the point where I need to go back to counseling. Counseling helps for a little bit. Um, you know, it uh, you're able to talk to someone, which is always good, and. I highly recommend it. It doesn't have to be a counselor or a therapist. It can be a friend you really trust, a family member you you really trust with your deepest, darkest secrets. But I did see, I did see a counselor, and those questions that she would have to ask me every day is that Are you feeling suicidal? I mean, yeah, that's kind of why I'm here, right? Um, but the answer would always was always yes, and um. She would ask me, have you ever attempted? And I said, I, I did put a gun to my head. <clears throat> you know, and she'll ask me when and what and how, and I, I, I don't remember. I, I really don't. That first time I did it in my early 30s, I, I don't remember it. I remember the feel of the gun to my head. I don't remember what snapped me out of it. I don't remember what I was going through or anything like that. I don't know what triggered that one. Um, And then she would ask me, you know, do you have a plan? And I think it was at that point that I, I don't want to tell her yes, but I did. I had a couple. I had several. I had ideas of how to do it, when to do it, specifically down to the time of day and the conditions of the road or, you know, whatever I was going to do. And it was at the point where I finally told her yes. To that question of if I had a plan. That I realized I needed medication. I needed some extra help. And of course you can't get into a psychiatrist you know, the next morning. So I had to wait I think a week or so. Maybe a couple. Um, but then something else transpired. And I put a gun to my head a second time. The... The thing that snapped me out of it this time was I was sitting on the floor, I had the gun to my head and the way I was holding it, the way my arm was positioned I was just tall enough, my dog was just tall enough to put his head on my arm and I can't describe the feeling of warmth I got from him when he put his head on my arm or the look in his eyes that just told me no and it snapped me out of it and I realized that I need to tell somebody that I'm having a little bit of trouble until I can at least go see the psychiatrist so I finally told my mom that I was going to go see a psychiatrist and of course at that point you know mama's know the baby she's like yeah I've seen you be in a funk for quite some time I'm glad you're getting help if you need anything let me know and she checks on me still to this day every day Sometimes more than, you know, two or three, but she, uh, I don't know if I can hear the five-year-old in the background singing to whatever he's watching. It's funny. Um, so I finally saw the psychiatrist and it's not an overnight fix. Uh, I took maybe about two or three medications until I found the right dosage and the right prescription that worked for me. I was just tired of not feeling like me um I I I wasn't happy I wasn't I was just in the darkest deepest hole I could find and I just was just sitting in there I wasn't even trying to get out I wasn't even trying to look up to see if there was that cliched light at the end of the tunnel I didn't care I just just did not care and I started the medication kept going to counseling And I, all of a sudden, I could enjoy a joke again. I was happy again. Um, I think shortly after, let's see, about a year or so maybe, taking medication, I met my girlfriend. Year and a half. And uh, she was my light at the end of the tunnel. She was my, it's going to be okay. Um, You know, her and her two kids, I, I couldn't imagine life without them anymore. You know, they brought life into me that I never thought I'd be able to find again. And for some people, that's, you know, having a family. For some people, that's being able to, you know, find their passion or do what they love. And you just have to find it. You know, it it comes to you sometimes, it falls in your lap. Other times you have to go out there and find it. Um, that, too, is another story for another podcast. But um, she, my girlfriend is amazing. She really is my rock. Um, let's see, almost, uh, well, it's three days past a year ago. If that makes sense. Three days past a year ago. A year ago, three days ago. I got fired from a job that I had worked for for over 10 years. Um, That doesn't trigger depression. I don't know what does. But it's humiliating. It's someone who struggles with depression. You know, you feel like a failure. You feel like a disappointment. You feel like everybody down. And that I'm just a piece of shit now. Pardon my French. Um, But my girlfriend she talked to me on the way home and basically told me, you know, she put a foot down and said, you're not going to get a funk. You're not going to let this bring you down. It's going to be okay. And for some people, you know, that's like, Oh my God, she, she mean, (laughs) but that's exactly the foot in the rear. And the thing I needed to hear for me not to go back into that deep, dark depression and, uh, you know, she, Knows me well enough to know that I didn't need to go. Oh, poor baby! Oh, I'm so sorry! Oh, I'm so sorry. She told me exactly what I needed to hear. You're not gonna let this get you down. You're not gonna let this tear you apart. It sucks. It's tragic. It's humiliating. But you're. It's not your. You know. It, you're good. It's not your fault. It's gonna be okay. And. You know, I, I do have, a year, a year later, I have an opportunity to get my job back in Mar- in April, in a month from now. Um, and if I do, I do. If I don't, I don't. I know, after a year of struggling, that it's going to be okay. And um, It's hard. It's a struggle every day not to feel like a failure. You know, I have to work two jobs now. One during the day and one at night. And it's a struggle to get up and not tell myself, you know, you freaking failure. You know, if you hadn't done what you did or, you know, done this differently or actually done what you were supposed to, you wouldn't gotten fired and you wouldn't be a failure. And and I can't, it's, you know, you would be thinking, well, don't think like that. It was hard. It's hard not to go about the, the daily grind of working two jobs and being highly exhausted. Be like, I wouldn't be, you know, if I could just go back in time, do what I was supposed to do, I wouldn't be in this situation. But I can't tell myself that. And it's hard not to. I got to get up and tell myself every day it's going to be okay. It's, it's seriously a day-by-day, day, you know, quest for me to, to get up and tell myself it's going to be okay. I got this. I got this job, then I got that job, then I can come home and sleep, get up, do it, you know, rinse and repeat, basically. And it's a struggle. And props to single moms and single parents out there that work two or three jobs and raise their kids. Props to y'all. Because I would be in an early grave if I had to do it. But y'all... are moms and dads you know out there that that do that it's it's just amazing uh how y'all keep your sanity number one but how you pull off actually doing what you do and I know this is not permanent I know it's not going to last forever but it's a struggle um you know my my girlfriend uh, well I'm proud to say I've been medication free for about two years now and uh she is just now starting medication. She suffers from severe anxiety, a little bit of depression thrown in there, and uh, PTSD, which PTSD is not something that just affects our soldiers. Um, First responders, doctors, nurses, teachers who go through active shooter situations, uh, anybody can come away from trauma with PTSD. And she lost her mom about four years ago, I I believe four years ago. And uh, well, this is the start of the fourth year and she lost her mom to cancer and she's 28 now. So. 24, 25 at the time, and that's not something that any you know, young women should have to go through is to lose their mom, especially in the manner she did. She had a stroke and she got diagnosed with cancer. And anybody who knows, anybody that's lost a loved one to that freaking cancer, it's a downward slope. And it's a roller coaster that you're shoved on. And it's a nightmare, you know, of a roller coaster of emotions, of just horror and you know she was with her mom you know the whole way and seeing a loved one go through that and deteriorate just like that it, it's 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 not easy on anybody and with her anxiety that she didn't really know she had it just that PTSD just just it come back and it it's not something that even the anniversary of her mom's death would trigger you know it's just put on eyeliner before you know before school she's going to school right now and i'm super proud of her she wants to make some you know make something of herself and get that job and you know prove to her kids that you know mommy you know you can do anything you want to as long as you work hard and strive for it but she also recognizes that her mom's not here to see this and that triggers her PTSD and so she has She's had anxiety back-to-back. Uh, back. Well, it's, it's been about a two-week gap. But for her, it's back-to-back back because she'd never had episodes like this before. And it's just... They're crippling. Um, and, you know, she's finally coming to that she does... She can't handle it on her own anymore. She can't, you know, use her mind, mind uh, judo and take care of it on her own anymore. She needs, she needs a little bit of help. And, you know, I I use normal people in quotes, but normal people, when they grieve, you know, okay, this happened, it sucks. Let's, you know, do our best to move on and live life. But someone with anxiety and with a little depression and how she lost her mom, that, that grieving process doesn't come so easily or as quickly. And she she struggles every day with anxiety, and you know, one would say we're two peas in a pod. You know, I struggle with depression every day, and she struggles with anxiety every day. But um, we're both getting through it, and we both know that it's it's gonna be okay. She is a fighter. She's so very strong. And I think that kills me the most is that I don't know how to help her when she goes through, you know, the things when she's feeling that panic attack. Come on, I'm I'm just the thing that I want to do, being the person that I am. I want to go over there and give her a big hug and tell her, oh, it's going to be OK. It's going to be OK. But at the time, she doesn't really feel that it's going to be OK because it feels like she can't breathe and she's shaking and she, she wants to cry and. You know, and, and we know that, you know, all you need to do is take deep breaths. You need to find your center. You need to count backwards from 10. At the time you're suffocating, that's the last crap you want to do at the moment. Um, but the best that, she, you know, that I can do for her and as stupid as it feels and with my depression, you know, I feel absolutely worthless to her at times like that. But the best thing I can do is just be there, Um, you know, and oftentimes she'll tell me what she needs you know, I, I need, to, I need a cold rag. Oh, okay, you got it. You got it. I'm on it. I got it. You know, I, I need a paper bag. Oh, okay, you got it. You got it. I got it. And, you know, I, I want to smother her, you know, and j- just cuddle her and wish that I could just snap my fingers and it'd be gone. But she, I need to recognize that when somebody is suffocating or feeling like they're suffocating, the last thing they want is somebody to be within six feet of them. So I have to remember to kind of keep my, you know, keep my distance, but but be there. You know, if she needs something, I'm an arm's length away. I can grab her. I can hold on to her. I can do what I need to do to help her get through it as quickly as possible. But this last one, I mean, it lasted four hours, five hours, That she had to go to the actual ER and, you know, it's, it's a struggle and it's, it's not easy for people with mental issues to, to deal with what we're dealing with and be in the right mindset. You know, I struggle with depression and I'm constantly thinking that I don't exist. People don't care. I shouldn't care. You know, these kids at my house don't like me. Um, you know, but i got to tell myself before I go to bed and before, you know, I get out of bed in the morning, it's, it's going to be okay. The kids love me. I love them. You know, I love my girlfriend. She loves me. Uh, I don't love my jobs right now, but it's going to be okay. It's not permanent, and it's something that I have to do, and you do it. You know, that phrase that, that goes, you know, you, you don't realize how strong you are until that's your only option. And I think that's true for, for me going through depression and for my girlfriend who struggles with anxiety every day. You know, we have to be strong, but sometimes it's okay to ask for help, to go to that therapy, to go to that friend, to, you know, go to that psychiatrist and say, look, I can't do this on my own anymore. I'm going to end up in an early grave. And that's not something I want for anybody. Hearing on the news and Local and you know, the national news about people who kill themselves and they're going through other mental issues, it just just breaks my heart because I want to be able to reach out to them. I want them to be able to reach out to me and for me to say, No, 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 I'm living proof that it's gonna be okay. That we're gonna, you know, you're gonna get through this, you need to talk, I'm here. I just want to be able to hug those people and say, you know what? If nobody else cares about you, I do. You matter to me because you do. And if you're listening to this and you're going through either anxiety or depression, or if you have suicidal thoughts, <clears throat> I, I, I'm i not 100%. You know, cured, I guess. It's not something that's curable. You know, every now and then I'll get that suicidal thought where, you know, I'm just driving down the street from this second job that I absolutely hate. If I just take my car off this bridge, it would be over. But then my favorite song comes on the radio or my girlfriend texts me back that says, you know, be careful. I love you. And that snaps me out of it. You know, I don't I don't want to anymore. But if you're listening to this and you're having suicidal thoughts, I am living proof. It's going to be okay. I care about you. And I want you to listen to those words. I care about you. You matter to me. I don't even know you. I don't have to know you. You matter to me. Your life matters to me. You know, my girlfriend and I are in the same boat. I don't. I wish we could just have some special ESP connection with everybody who. Was going through mental issues, and we could just reach out and help them. <clears throat> I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist, but I'm somebody who went through it. My girlfriend is somebody who is going through it. You know, I'm going through it every day, but it's it's doable, and it's it's going to be okay. And <clears throat> excuse me, I. Again, you know, my depression and low self-esteem, low self-worth, you know, I don't think anybody's going to listen to this. I don't think anybody cares, but I wanted to tell the story because if it reaches only one person, then, and it does, you know, it helps them. You know, they help know that they're not alone in whatever struggle they're going through. They're not alone. Then my story has done what it's supposed to do. It's helped that one single person who is finally going to be okay. Or they listen to it and they tell themselves, you know, maybe I can try doing that. You know, it's going to be okay. Because it is. And I'm living proof. My girlfriend is living proof. And, uh, so that's my story in a nutshell. (laughs) I think the five-year-old's getting antsy. Um, so I'm going to conclude that this, this podcast, like I said, I have no idea what I'm doing or how to do it. Um, but tune in next week or whenever I put another podcast out, (laughs) uh, and I'll find, uh, I'll uh, have another topic and, or you can tell me what, uh, you would like me to talk about, whether it's about my story or my girlfriends or anything like that, um, negative comments, positive comments, I'll, uh, take the negative ones with a grain of salt, they'll actually be quite entertaining, I'm sure, <clears throat> but I am here, you are here, we're all here, um, that's pretty corny, <laughs> but it's it's going to be okay y'all you know, it, it really i i am texan yes so i'm i threw that y'all in there uh it's going to be okay it really is